clap. <clears throat> There's no other king like him. Absolutely no other king like him. Happy Easter, church. Happy Resurrection Sunday. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is my great honor and privilege to celebrate with you in the cafeteria of Kennesaw Elementary School, and we are celebrating Jesus Christ today, the risen king. He is not in the tomb. He's not there. He is risen. He is alive. And that speaks to us because there have been people celebrating this very thing for thousands of years now, and we unite with them. Our church, High Point, is a part of a ministry called Every Nation. We're in about 70, a little over 70 countries now. Different cities around the United States, around the nation, around the globe. And I love that we get to celebrate Easter with the rest of the world. And I actually love that our spiritual family is doing the same thing. All over the world, the globe, people are celebrating the same thing today. Jesus Christ. Risen Lord, the risen King. And that gets me pumped. So I'm going to do my best not to just come, just fire and spitting and Holy Spirit crazy because I love Easter Sunday. And if you know me, I'm a passionate guy. If you didn't understand what that meant, it just means sometimes I can be up here and as I'm speaking, I get loud. And as I get loud, I spit. So front row, happy Easter to you. Ah. But guys, Jesus is worth being passionate about. He's worth being passionate about. It's worth everything. And so this morning, we're, we, are, we are wrapping up our series called Frequency on Easter Sunday and pointing you to a new one that's getting ready to begin. But understand, there is this idea, there's this concept, if you've ever used an old school radio before or a CB or anything of, the, of, of that nature, where you're trying to tune into the frequency and get locked in. And you can hear something coming through and maybe there's a little static and maybe you're saying something and it's not coming quite through. And this is what worship is like. This is what a relationship with Jesus is oftentimes like. It's like a couple people trying to tune in and we just can't quite catch it and we're, we're just not quite locked in. And when it comes to Easter, boy, if there's ever a moment for us to dial things in and tighten up the frequency... It's on a day that oftentimes gets surrounded by <laughs> just nonsense, right? Stuff that we love. I hear me. We have an Easter egg hunt after church today, and I love it. My kids are going to love it. They're going to go crazy. But if Easter is just about an Easter egg hunt, we've missed the frequency, have we not? If Easter is just about great photo booths and dressing up and looking good, which, by the way, you guys are looking good today. It's Easter, putting on that Sunday best. There's, some, there's something with greater significance in front of us right now. And this morning, we're going to just peel back all the layers. We're just going to look at the resurrection afresh for what it is and for who Jesus is this morning. Can we do that today? Can we do that today? Can we do that today? 
Yes, there we go. Just getting you like, some of you have that little sugar coma going on from your donuts. I'm keeping you alive right here. I'm going to keep you locked in. Because Jesus and the resurrection, we can't afford to miss it. We can't afford to miss what happened on the cross. We can't afford it. And so today, we're going to tighten it up, and we're going we're gonna, to, you know, Luke Skywalker, you know, hit the, hit the little proton beam and blow up the Death Star. And I mean, we're, we're coming in for precision today for any Star Wars fan, sorry. Let's do this. Let's pray. And then we're just going to read the text afresh. I was working on this message, and I'm going to be honest with you. Easter and Christmas, there's no, there's no two messages oftentimes that a pastor can get either more nervous trying to prepare or can just find the difficult words to share because it's Easter, right? Or, or it's Christmas, and everybody knows the story. But I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, actually, Andy, they don't. We don't. We as our church may not. Our community may not. And so I'm trying to dress things up, right, and make it creative. And I felt God just saying, stop trying to dress me up and just share what happened. Read the text. Read the scriptures. And let me do what only I can do. So that's what we're going to do. Father, be with us today. God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, for our sins, and for the sins of the world. And we thank you that your son Jesus, while he died for our sins, he didn't stay dead. He was the perfect sacrifice on our behalf, and he stepped out of the grave, out of the tomb, three days later, victorious over sin and victorious over death. And today, this Easter Sunday in 2018, God, we say thank you. We worship you. Minister to us today. Amen. All right, church, turn to the book of Luke. In the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way into the Bible. And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke. You might be looking or reading from your phone or the screen behind me, but I hear the pages turning of those antiquated things we call books. And that is a Bible. And if, if you're flipping on your own, turn to the book of Luke. And we're going to read this account. And, and, and before I get to it, let me just back the, the, the tape up a little bit. Jesus has been arrested He's 30 years old. He's been teaching in ministry for three years, so he's now 33 years old. Has had the most prolific and dynamic ministry. Those who have gone to listen to him teach and preach all walked away saying the same thing. This man speaks with authority. Authority that we've never heard before. And then he backs it up by healing the sick. And he backs it up by driving out demons. And he backs it up by ministering to the poor and multiplying food in front of our very eyes and raising the dead. There's no other man like him. There's no other king like him. But as it turns out, Jesus wasn't the kind of king that the people wanted. They wanted a political king. And Jesus wasn't going to play that game. 
Because he came to be the spiritual king, the true king, the king that everyone ultimately needs, king of your heart. And so instead of following him as their one true king, what they said is, bump this. We're going to find a king. This is obviously not it. And they had him falsely arrested, cooked up charges. People are, are, are rioting and protesting in the streets. I mean, you've never seen anything like it. There are thousands upon thousands of people in the streets of Jerusalem because they're there to celebrate Passover. And so Jesus is tried and everything is rushed and moved quickly because the Sabbath day is coming. And Sabbath means that everyone is going to be resting. They can't do any work. And so all the things that they need to get done to Jesus, they got to rush through the process and get him tried and crucified. And this is where we find ourselves. That's where we find ourselves on Good Friday. Jesus Christ is arrested. He's persecuted. Crown of thorns put on his head, beaten with a staff, spit upon, whipped to inches of his life, and then put a, a cross borne upon his back as he began to carry it up to Skull Mountain. He had to have someone help him carry it. And then he gets to Skull Mountain, and he's laid down upon the cross where they then nail his hands to this wooden beam, and they nail his ankles to this wooden beam. A man that is both fully man and fully God. And the cross is raised. And our Jesus, or maybe not your Jesus, maybe the Jesus you're learning about today, this is where he died. He breathed his last. And even in the last moments, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Luke 23 50 through 56. There was a man named Joseph, a member of the council. He was a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action, that decision and action being to arrest and crucify Jesus. He was a part, he was a part of this group of people who made this decision, but he was not a willing party. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down from the cross, he wrapped it in linen cloth, and he placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So Jesus has died. He's been taken down from the cross. There's no question as to the, the condition of his body. He's dead. And Joseph of Arimathea, who, who, who was a part of the ruling council at the time, but was an unwilling member of this decision, he knows there's something different about Jesus, and he risks everything. 
He risks it all by going to the cross and getting Jesus' body. Everybody would have known. And he puts it in a tomb. And the scriptures tell us that a stone is rolled over the tomb and that, that there are other people who witness the event, these women, and then they go home and they, they begin to prepare spices and they begin to prepare all the things that they're going to put on Jesus' body after the Sabbath. But there's nothing they can do right now because why? Because they're heading into the day of rest. So it's preparation day. So they're doing as much as they possibly can right now, knowing that Saturday is coming. They didn't want to break the commandment. I can't imagine the grief of sitting in a home. Nowhere to go. Nothing you can do. But yet completely gripped with the death of Jesus. Your hopes have died. Your dreams are dying. Your son has died. Your friend has died. Your Messiah is dead. Your teacher, your physician, your Lord, and your Savior. The devastation in your heart would have been oppressive to say the least. But Sunday was coming. Luke 24, 1 through 6. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they did what? They went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I'm in verse Luke 24, 1 through 6, in case you're following. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. You see, Easter is about, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is about this truth. Jesus Christ is no longer dead. Our Lord and Savior is alive. And he has conquered our sin, my sin, our, the world's sin. He has overcome all of your faults, all of your brokenness, all of your failure. He's overcome every wrong thing that you've ever done. And he stepped out of the tomb proving that he had the power and authority to do it. Sin and death had no hold on him. Excuse me. The empty tomb reminds us that anything is possible with Jesus. So 
when we when we talk about Easter and we talk about church, some of you you're sitting here and this is the first thing you've I mean you don't know you don't you're hearing this story for the first time. Some of you are used to church and you've grown up going to church, but you've been to church so many times that you know the the reality of this message it's no longer profound to your heart. And this morning my, my hope is to take some defibrillator paddles, spiritually speaking, and shock you into, into hearing it again. I always like to read stories about kids around the holidays. The, the Christmas Eve services abound with kids doing knuckleheaded things during like little Christmas Eve services. Easter services are no different. Now, we don't have an Easter, you know, pageant or an Easter play that our kids, uh, you know, do. But if you're ever on Facebook and you ever seeing the churches that are larger than ours doing one, pay attention to children on those videos because they say the most insane, ridiculous things when they're trying to remember their lines. It's amazing. And I watched one or read one that just had me laughing. And it was, it was they were doing the resurrection story. You know, and you had this five-year-old kid who's just a year older than one of my children. Dressed up like an angel and he's got one line. And his one line is, he's not here. He has risen. That's it. That's all he's got to get right. And he freezes. And you can see the person who's conducting it. She's whispering to him, he's not He's risen. And he, and he goes up to the microphone and he gets it and he says, he's not here. He's in prison. Okay? Jesus is in prison right now. Had me rolling. Children are the best. And I'm sitting, working on this message, laughing about this moment. And it struck me that while it's funny and it's humorous, it's exactly how many of us treat the resurrection. Okay, we, we, we know what's true over here, but it's like we've taken a lock and key and we've just put it behind a jail cell and it just comes out every once in a while for us to clap our hands and raise our hands to, but the real true power of the resurrection, the cell has never been opened and you have not tasted, we may not have tasted the true freedom that comes when we understand the significance of what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did when he stepped out of the grave and he kicked the devil in the jaw and said, come on, brother, you got nothing on me. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? It is powerful truth. It's prolific. It means that when Jesus conquered sin and death and he did the impossible, when Jesus showed us that the impossible is possible, he reminds us of this truth, that if he can do it, then he can still do it today. He can still do it now. What can God not do? What can Jesus Christ and all of his strength and all of his power, who is not dead but alive, what can he not do in your life? What do you need him to do? What situation looks impossible where do you need the strength and the might 
in the kindness and love of Jesus Christ, the one true king. Where do you need him right now? Where do things look hopeless? Because if Easter reminds us of anything, and if the empty tomb reminds us of anything, it's that anything is possible with Jesus. Anything. There's nothing that he can't do. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 10. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 other brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and last of all to me, to one abnormally born for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I want to say that one more time. I'll just read it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I'm a movie buff, movie nerd. I have lots of movies. And when I like to relax, oftentimes what I like to relax with is an iced Coca-Cola in a movie. Oh, it's ministering to me right now, even as I say it to you. There's a movie. I love a little comic book movie. I love a Marvel movie. I love a Superman movie. I love, there's very few science fiction movies, et cetera, that I don't like. But one of the movies that Amy and I really enjoy is The Incredible Hulk. And in one of the Incredible Hulk movies, one of the things that they're after, the bad guys, are trying to chase down Bruce Banner. And Bruce Banner is the guy who turns into the Hulk. And he has incredible strength. He has incredible power. And, I mean, let's be honest, what can the Hulk, what can he not do? Right? And so what they're after is they're after his blood. Because they recognize that the blood of this man is so powerful that if they had just a little bit of it, it would change their entire life. It would bring them strength and power and might in ways that they could not possibly imagine. And so this entire movie is spent with evil men 
trying to take and chase and, and extract for themselves the blood of one who can give them strength and might. And you can probably track where I'm going here. Here is Paul, who is a train wreck of a man, persecuting the church. And what he says is that when the resurrection power hit him, when he came face to face with a risen king, with Jesus Christ, who was alive and victorious over sin and death, something happened to him. There was a grace given to him, and that grace did not leave him the way that he previously was. It changed him, and it brought him and made him into something brand new. The blood of Jesus spilled on the cross. The victory of Jesus in the tomb and outside of the tomb. The grace of this moment when truly owned in the heart, when you put your faith in him, there is a change that happens. And to quote Paul, that his grace to you is not without effect. He changes you. And it makes you into something that you were not before. You have access to strength, godly strength, that you didn't know possible. You have access to God's power in ways that you didn't know were possible. You have access to his mercy and his kindness and his joy and his peace and his patience and his self-control in ways that you didn't think were possible. One of the things that one of the things that we forget sometimes with with death and with the tomb and with sin and sometimes we don't like to talk about Satan in church much anymore and that's a crime because Satan is real PS and Jesus beat Satan okay and stripped him of all of his power and all of his authority and we don't have any problems saying that here He's not scary. He has been defanged, okay? A poisonless snake now. But one of the things that Satan loves to do is he loves to try to put the final word on things. And like a party that you're going to, and you, you, if you've ever filled out your name on a you know, little name tag and you stuck it on yourself, this is who I am. Satan loves to do the very same thing to you regarding situations and circumstances and just the very condition of your heart. And I'm going to connect the dots here in case you're thinking I'm all over the place. I'm going to bring it all together for you. But when we speak of Jesus and we speak of anything is possible, it means that Satan no longer has the final word as it pertains to death. It means that Satan no longer has the final word regarding anything in your life. 
When we say that with Jesus, anything is possible, it means that by his strength and by his grace extended to you because of the cross and because of the resurrection, it means that there's nothing he can't change. There's nothing he can't bring hope to. There's nothing that he can't bring life to. There's nothing that he cannot resurrect that's dead. And so let's get, let's get, let's take this one step further. What are some things that Satan likes to just stick on you and define you with that I'm here to tell you and bring you some good news about? Satan wants you to think that you are broken. That's who you are broken you're a failure you have failed that is who you are you're addicted this is what defines you now your addiction your depression you are depressed and this defines your life now. You're anxious. You are insecure. You are hopeless. Your marriage has no hope. Your children are rebellious. See, Satan wants and vies and wiggles his way into your life still to try to define who you are and the circumstances of your life and the tomb reminds us that with Jesus anything is possible and if Jesus can defy death and step out of the tomb what other thing that's dead in your life can he not bring life to can he not bring life to your marriage can he not bring hope to those who feel hopeless? Can he not bring life to those who feel dry on the inside? Can he not do it? You see, with Jesus, anything is possible. I may have failed, but I'm not a failure anymore. I may have taken a hit, but I'm not knocked out anymore. I may have a bad day, but I don't have a bad life anymore. It may look hopeless, but I'm never without hope. I may feel empty, but Jesus can fill me up. I may be broken, but Jesus can make me whole. It may be the end, but with Jesus, I get a new beginning. I may be weak, but Jesus makes me strong. You see, Jesus, his grace to you is not without effect. You might be this way, but the power of the cross and the resurrection is that you don't have to stay there. You get to experience life right here. I'm not defined by this anymore. I'm defined by being a new creation in Christ Jesus. My faith in Him, He is my Lord. He is my Savior, my risen King. The one who took my place, who took the punishment for my sin. And because of it, I get to live a new life. just a moment we're going to take communion we're going to sing one last song together 
but to just put a stamp on this one more time for you. Jesus with his disciples. He has this moment before he gets arrested and he reminds them, he says, this is, this is my body broken for you. This is what this now represents. And they took the bread and he says, this, this bread represents my body that's broken for you on the cross. And they took some wine together and that wine was to represent Jesus' blood spilled on the cross. And Jesus is, is letting them know, he's reminding them of what's about to happen. He's getting ready to die for them. But then he says something interesting. He says, moving forward, I want you to do this and take this in remembrance of me. In other words, you need to appropriate what I'm doing for you on the cross and what I'm about to do when I step out of this grave. I want you to be reminded. Take this with thanksgiving and gratitude and be reminded of who I am and what I've done for you and my power that is available to you in your life. No one has the final word but me. Jesus has the final word. The cross has the final word. The tomb has the final word. Jesus has the final word. That is the beauty of the resurrection. No one gets another word in but Jesus. He's the final word. And his final word is life. Stand to your feet, church. realize that faith in Jesus and talking about all these things, it doesn't make life easy. I'm not pretending that it does. But faith in Jesus makes it possible. Faith doesn't make things easy, but it makes them possible. And I know some of you are in this room right here and you are up against the wall. You are in some difficult situations. Difficult relationships challenges in marriage, challenge at home, challenge being single. And I want you to know that the tomb reminds us that anything is possible with Jesus. Bring your heart to him today. Let his power be available to you today.